This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the fall of 2022, we've been examining Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah, and today we're finishing up our study of those four books, and we're finishing up our study of Micah. Bill Craig is joining us again this week. Bill, you've been with us the past two weeks. We thank you for your time. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me come and talk about Micah. We're looking at chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, and then 18 through 20. The main point here is that hope is found in God's promised salvation to those who trust him. Here are the three points of our outline. First of all, reality defined. Second, salvation discovered. And third, forgiveness celebrated. Reality defined looks at verses 1 through 6 of chapter 7. In these verses, Micah lamented destruction that was coming to Israel for her disobedience, comparing himself to a person who harvests fruit, yet never eats any of that fruit. He pointed to the lack of faithfulness and the prevalence of sin. Neither friends nor family could be trusted during this time. What we can walk away from is that the sin of our world should break the hearts of believers. The second point, verses 7 through 10, we've entitled Salvation Discovered. In these verses, Micah declared his intention of waiting on God, trusting him for salvation. He expressed hope as he considered the day in which God would deliver those who remained faithful to him, serving as vindication for the faithful. Key point for us is that believers can wait expectantly for God's full salvation. The last part of our study, verses 18 through 20, we've entitled that Forgiveness Celebrated. In these verses, Micah declared God to be like none other by his showing compassion through forgiveness. Micah reminded his hearers of God's faithfulness to his promises, including the promises made to Abraham. Key point for us is that believers can celebrate God's forgiveness, compassion, and faithfulness. Bill, like the first lesson in Micah, there's a lot of rabbits in this lesson, too. Um, How can we keep from getting sidetracked during our group time? Well, I think it's always easy to get sidetracked, especially when dealing with verses like these that have such relevant application to our lives today. People want to talk about what's going on in their life that's related to these passages. For me, I'm going to specifically... Uh, when I teach this, I know I will chase a rabbit to start with, and I think it's an important one to do, and that is to set the context for chapter 7. We ought to look at the background passage of chapter 6, especially verse 8, which is one of the most important verses in the Old Testament. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with our God. I think it's one way to keep the focus of this lesson is to keep that background verse, that context in mind as you walk through chapter 7. And so I'm going to use that verse as a grounding verse for all of chapter 7 when I teach chapter 7 because it's such an important verse. It sets the expectations for what they're supposed to do and 
not a lot of leeway as to what the, that expectation is at that point. That's right. That's right. I mean, chapter six is God's lawsuit. Six two says, you know, this is God's lawsuit against Israel. It's why they're being judged. And so uh, with that in mind, uh, I think you move into chapter seven, uh, understanding this is, this is where Israel's at, and we have to be uh, honest about it as we talk about it. Well, verses one through six is pretty bleak. Who can be trusted based on those verses? Well, putting trust in any human agent or authority should only be done when they're reflecting the values of God's kingdom. And so I think this is, this is one of those places where you anchor back to that verse in chapter six. So who are the people, who are the human people that we ought to put our faith and trust in, where the, they are the ones who act with justice, who are living faithfully, who lead with humility. And uh, people are right not to trust leaders who go against uh, the things that God has called them to do. Uh, and so it, it's hard to find people to put full faith and trust in. But uh, we look for leaders who are living a godly life that are uh, living with justice and faithfulness and humility. In verse two, Micah makes the statement, there is no one upright among the people. None righteous. That's another way of saying it. There's none righteous. We may encounter some people in our classes who don't hold to that. How can we help them understand the truth of that statement? Well, we may encounter people who think that there's some kind of righteousness that they have a, a achieved. I rarely run into people um, who think so highly of themselves that they don't recognize that their own sin in their life is held against them uh, in this kind of context. No one is righteous. And uh, there are plenty of people who are not righteous all around us. Uh, what do we do about those people? Well, I think we pray for those people and we display to them that God's forgiveness has provided a way for us to have a right relationship with God and has allowed us to turn our lives around because of that forgiveness and because of his compassion and care for us and the values he has for us. And that's the only way we can live and to begin to live a godly life. And so we pray for those around us who are not righteous, that they will find that same pathway. And and, I, you know, there may be somebody in one of your classes who thinks I'm I'm righteous. This isn't talking about me. The truth is there are none righteous, not even the best person, you know, and the best per people, you know, would tell you to your face. Hey, that's that's not me. I'm not righteous. I, I've messed up plenty in my life. This verse, this passage carries the idea of vindication for those who are faithful. We saw the same theme when we were looking at 2 Thessalonians back in the spring. We saw it in chapter 1, where Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and reminds them that God was going to repay the afflicted, or those who, who have caused affliction. He's going to repay that with affliction on them. 
and give relief to those who are being afflicted because of their faith. Uh, he talks about vengeance coming on them, on those who do not know God, those type of things. It could be easy to feel superior because of this promised final victory. How can we safeguard ourselves from having that kind of attitude of, well, you'll get yours and feeling good about it? Yeah, so we need to keep the right perspective. The only way that God's people are the ones who are a remnant or are, are being restored is because we've received forgiveness. So I, I look at the last few verses of this passage in chapter 7, and I realize that it's that remnant that needs forgiveness. Who is a God like you forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? That's, that's God's people receiving the forgiveness they need. And we're only in a position of favor because of what God has done for us. Verse 19 says he will have compassion on us. We're only in that position because God has had compassion over us. Micah used four different words for sin and forgiveness in this passage. How might we create a learning activity in our teaching time based on the words he used in the passage? Well, I think this is an interesting opportunity for you to do some things to apply the word to people's lives today. So one common technique that lots of teachers use is to divide the class into two teams. Have one team think about sin and the other team to think about the way we describe forgiveness. And so ask the first team to think not about the words, the Hebrew words, but about all the ways we in English today uh, describe sin. And just give them a few minutes to list all the different ways that we, we talk about and describe sin. And then have the second team do the same thing for forgiveness. What are all the ways that we describe and talk about forgiveness? You know, we pardon people. We tell people it's okay to forget it. All the different phrases and words we use. And after you've reviewed those two teams, then come back and ask the question, why do we have so many ways to describe sin and forgiveness? And let the class answer that. Of course, the answer is we have so many words to describe sin because there's so many ways that we sin. And <laughs> so we have lots of ways to describe sin because we are so sinful. And why do we have so many ways to describe forgiveness? Because we need it so much and we rely on God to give it to us. So this is a great point to make. Uh, and it's a great way to do it. Let people think about how many different ways people sin and then how many different ways we receive forgiveness. What are some ways, some practical ways that we can celebrate God's forgiveness here, Bill? So this is, I think this is a great way to end this uh, passage, or end the study of this passage. And I think when I teach this, this is what, what I will do. I'd encourage you uh, to ask the question, um, what are you free to do 
because you've been forgiven. And let your class list some of those things. But as they list those things that they're free to do because they've been forgiven, sooner or later, you ought to get to maybe at least uh, four or five different things. You know, you can forgive because you've been forgiven. You can love because you've been forgiven. You can worship because you've been forgiven. And you can serve God because you've been forgiven. And so I would put on a board or a large piece of paper just those common words, who, how, when, and what. And I'd ask these questions as the, as the celebration of forgiveness. Who needs your forgiveness? And let people think to themselves, who is it that I need to extend forgiveness to? And how will you show love to someone today? And then when will you worship? When will you go before God and in the freedom that you have to worship him because you've been forgiven, when will you worship? And then finally, what will you do to serve the king because you're free to do it because you've been forgiven. You can serve with meaning and with purpose because you've been forgiven of your sin. So that's how I would end this particular lesson. One way we may summarize this whole quarter of study is to focus on that idea of forgiveness. Go to the table of contents in the personal study guide, daily discipleship guide, whichever your group is using, and have them just walk through each session title and note how many of these sessions, how much of this study deals with the idea of the need for forgiveness. Session one from Amos was listen to God. Session two is turn to God. Session three from Amos was seek God. And then you had hope in God. Think about how many of those related to forgiveness. Then when we looked at Jonah, we had no escape, a time when Jonah needed forgiveness. And then in chapter, uh, excuse me, then session six, we see Jonah uh, lamenting God's forgiveness of Nineveh. So even in that, we see God's forgiveness at play. Then in Hosea, we see the unfaithful bride and the need for forgiveness, the hollow promises, which is false forgiveness, false actions or false repentance. Then sin harvested, our need for repentance, which is in session nine. Uh, then session 10, Hosea 14, where restoration is promised because of that repentance. Then here we are in, in Micah session 11, leaders were needed because there was God's wrath coming and they needed to repent and gain that forgiveness. Then last week's lesson on Micah 4, we see Christ coming, the one who would provide for, for, for forgiveness. And then today, hope found once again in forgiveness. That's a theme that, that we probably haven't um, carried as well as we should have or as strongly as we should have uh, through this study. But I, I believe it's something we can really uh, help folks remember as we finish this lesson set and move towards the next quarter. We'll be looking at John. We'll be spending 26 weeks in the Gospel of John. And here we are about to move to Christmas season as well, where we should, should begin to think about that hope in the promise of that forgiveness. So this is a great way to, to finish up our study of these four books. Bill, any other key ideas or thoughts that you would share from Micah? Well, the last thing I would say is 
just the general idea that these these minor profits are only thought of as minor profits, not not because their message was minor, but because they're a little bit shorter than the long profits, you know, like Isaiah and Jeremiah. These minor prophets have a major message for us today. And that major message is not just God's judgment, but like you said, it's God's forgiveness and the coming Messiah. There's hope in these minor prophets. And that hope is about to be realized in the Christmas season. Bill, thank you for that reminder. From time to time in this podcast, we mentioned different resources in the Explore the Bible family. We mentioned the Leader Pack, Adult Commentary, Quick Source. Uh, you can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. I want to thank you for listening to us this week. Hope you'll join us again next week. We'll be looking at a whole new set of, of studies. We'll be looking at John's Gospel. We're beginning a 26-week study of John's Gospel. Mm-hmm.